I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 600 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, we have made it to episode 600 of the podcast. I could not have gotten here without all of you listeners out there. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for continuing to tune in and support the podcast right here. And I have got a very special guest for today's milestone episode. Sadhguru joins me on First Class Fatherhood. Sadhguru is a mystic, a yogi, author, and visionary. He has been an influential voice at major global forums, including the United Nations World Headquarters, and he has been invited to speak at leading educational institutions around the world, including Oxford, London Business School, Stanford, Harvard, Yale, Wharton, and MIT, just to name a few. I have been a fan and a follower of Sadhguru's for a very long time. All of his YouTube videos are packed full of wisdom, and they really make you think deeply about life and your existence. Sadhguru was recently interviewed by Joe Rogan on his podcast, and what a fascinating interview that was. Now, today's interview is quite unlike any other interview I've done in the past 600 episodes of First Class Fatherhood, and here's why. I've been trying to book an interview with Sadhguru for a very long time, and his team recently reached out to me with an opportunity to make it happen, uh, but there was a little bit of a twist to it. Sadhguru is currently riding his motorcycle across 26 nations for 100 days to bring awareness to his Save Soil movement, his Save Soil campaign. Uh, so this interview was conducted while Sadhguru is riding his motorcycle from Bucharest to Istanbul. This is all recorded on video, so you've got to go over to my YouTube channel and watch this interview. It is it is unlike anything I've ever done here on the podcast. I know you're going to love it. The audio quality is crystal clear, which you're going to hear here in just a minute. So I really hope you will enjoy this one, my interview with Sadhguru coming straight ahead on First Class Fatherhood. All right, and if this is your very first time and you're new to the podcast here, you got to go through the archives of the last 600 episodes and check out the interviews I've done. Some of my most popular ones, uh, including Matthew McConaughey, Dana White, Tom Brady, Tony Hawk, Deepak Chopra, Jocko Willink, and so many others. And of course, many of these dads and their interviews and part of their wisdom and advice that's been given out was captured in my new book, First Class Fatherhood, Advice and Wisdom from High Profile Dads. The link to the book is in today's show notes. You can pick it up on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, Target, Walmart, wherever you buy books. The book opened up as a number one bestseller on Amazon in multiple categories, a number one new release in multiple categories. I cannot say thank you to all of you dads out there, all of you listeners out there who went out and bought the book. If you are enjoying the book, please consider leaving me a rating on Amazon. That really helps uh, give the book a little boost in the ratings. And as always, guys, please help me spread the word about this podcast every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list and let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with the one and only Sadhguru. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father Sadhguru. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. <laughs> What is it? First class fatherhood, huh? <laughs> That's right. First class fatherhood. Let me let me start it just like this. How many kids do you have and how old are they? Oh, I have a few million of mine, but uh, only one is my mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and how old is she? Uh, she's just turned 30, 32. She's married for now six, seven years now. 
she is a classical dancer and uh, she is uh, <laughs> a wonderful woman. Very cool. We're going to jump right into the Save Soil movement in just a second here. But if you could, Sadhguru, take me back to the beginning of your fatherhood journey then. About how old were you when you first became a dad and how did that experience change your perspective on life? Uh, I uh, I never treated her as my daughter. I just treated her as a dear friend. And uh, <laughs> she also grew up like that always on first name basis with me. Not once did, I call, did she call me daddy or anything like that. She always called me by my first name. And uh, we've been wonderful friends from the day one. Wow, that's an interesting perspective there. Well, you got the Save Soil movement going on. You're on the motorcycle now, 30,000 kilometers across 25 nations in 100 days. I believe you're on day 31 uh, right now. Uh, all my listeners are parents. majority of them are dads. What could you tell my listeners here? What is the future of this planet for our children if nothing is done to save the soil? Yeah, coming to brotherhood, uh, my girl... Uh knows me very well and <laughs> she knows who I am very well but uh, uh, for the first time she told me be careful because I'm riding in snow and rain and all kinds of situations right now wind is blowing around uh, 30 knots per hour and it's raining and Bulgarian roads seem to have much more oil on them than uh, others because probably the cars and automobiles are much older ones and two wheels, wet roads, and oil, they're not friends, you know, <laughs> about saving the soil. So I've been talking about this for 30 years. Everybody tells me, Sadhguru, what you're doing is fantastic, it's great, we really love it, and they will sleep on it. So I thought it's time I do something that I'm putting myself to great risk. Looking at this, I don't know if you can feel the weather. It's like blowing crazy, all the trucks have slowed down, so you can't see the trucks. I think you can hear them, we're just passing them, because uh, the wind is very heavy and the warnings are coming out for them to slow down, because the wind is uh, picking up speed. Uh, so uh, I put myself into this because it looks like we are capable of sleeping through any kind of situation and ending up in a disaster. I think as a generation of people, we must mitigate this disaster before it happens. We must be that generation which turned back from the brink, not the when, one that went over and then uh, cries over uh, the bad things that happened to us. Because this is a, a global phenomena across the world, the organic content in the soil has gone down so severely that today we are at a point where every year, according to UNFAO, 27,000 species of organisms are going extinct. At this rate, in another 25 to 30 years, we will have a severe food crisis. There's no question about that. And our population would have grown to 9 billion. You don't want to see such things happening to the next generation. So I thought, let me do something that will wake up people. Fortunately, across Europe, 
nearly 11th, 12th country we are going into today, every one of these nations have been a spectacular response, both from the people and generally the administration is also responding very well. I'm going to Bucharest in Romania right now, and uh, there is an event with over uh, probably 3,000 people. And uh, apart from that, the agriculture minister, environment minister, the education minister, all of them are lining up to meet us and sign MOUs with us. This is a very positive response. And the German government announced $4.5 billion towards soil ecology just last week. So the moment has been very positive. And above all, I'm speaking at COP15, where 197 nations are participating. So uh, all the representatives will be there. I'm addressing them. And we are making soil the main theme of this COP15 in Ivory Coast. So before that, we want to move substantial number of people, at least 3 to 3.5 billion people, so that no government can say no to it. Because once people want it, how can a democratically elected government say no to it? This is what is going on right now. Immense response from around the world. Well, it's incredibly inspiring what you're doing here, but the, the fruits of your labor I mean, the, the long-term effects of this, we, we may not see it till long after you, we're gone here. It may take another generation. What keeps you motivated to keep doing this, um, knowing that these results, the long-term results, can come way down the line there and, and will greatly impact you know, our kids, our grandkids? So this is the whole thing. This is the fundamental thing about a hum being human, that we have memory, a vivid sense of memory and a fantastic sense of imagination which sets us apart from every other creature on the planet. All the other creatures tackle their problems when they come. They try to handle their problems when they arise. It is the prerogative of the human being that we can mitigate a problem before it manifests. If we don't do that, in many ways we are forsaking our human nature and in a way our humanity also, because right now every responsible scientist in the world is saying that by 2045, we'll be producing 40% less food and our populations will be over 9 billion. That's not a place where you want to put the next generation in. So we have to do this. And UNFAO says that right now, the food that we are eating, the soil that we are consuming, belongs not even to the children, but belongs to the unborn child. Eating up the food that belongs to the unborn child, the most defenseless life, eating up that food pains me in my heart. I think we should not be that kind of human beings that we ate up the food that belongs to the unborn child. Unfortunately, what? These yeah. guys suddenly take a turn without telling me. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all right. Be careful there, will you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the roads are very wet, and suddenly these guys, the lead car, takes a turn to the right, and I'm slipping all over the place. <laughs> I'm okay. Tell me, Alex. All right. Well, well, well listen, uh, uh, Sad Guru, uh, just as, um, you know, humanity can't succeed here without healthy soil, 
our society can't succeed without healthy families as well. And one thing I focus on is the fatherless crisis we got in the United States. We lead the world in all homes that have no dads. We have more homes without a father present than any other country on the planet. And so I really believe that in our country, in the United States, we could solve a lot of our societal problems if we can get more dads back in their homes of their kids' lives. What's your take on that? Essentially, you're talking about more responsible men. <laughs> Definitely, absolutely, no question about that. Because, uh, you know, I'm saying as far back as 6,500 years ago, uh, when people ask, you know, Krishna talks about this and he's uh, saying that how it is very important for men and women to maintain their uh, moral value, and he stresses particularly for women. So women ask, why only for us? Why are you saying more for us, less for men? So Krishna says the important thing is, see, if the man philanders around, he will cause some damage. But if the woman, you know, is not with the man that she, uh, that uh, has fathered her child, then the problem is there will be nobody to nurture that child. There will be nobody to bring strength to a child. A mother gives a certain kind of strength, but father transfers his skills and capabilities. Well, a mother can also do it in today's world, but in those days it was very, very true. Now also it is true that having both the parents of mother and father is a very good thing, but a whole lot of people are arguing that this is all uh, very, what do you say, archaic, and uh, we can do it ourselves. Yes, you can. Many mothers have brought up their children wonderfully well. I brought up my girl by myself because my wife passed away very early on, and uh, I've done what I've done, and the girl has grown up wonderfully well. I'm sure single parents also can do well many times, but uh, two, two responsible people who love the child would make a lot of difference. Nobody can take away the benefit of that. But uh, if the man is very responsible, maybe the woman would rather have not have him around than uh, having him around and messing with the child. When I say messing with the child, when uh, every home, it's become so common, anybody can smoke, drink, drug. When these things become so common, uh, sometimes it's better not to have such adults around children rather than having them because they are more of a bad influence than a good influence. Unfortunately, that has infested the mm, society in such a huge way and uh, every form of intoxication has become legal. So just because something becomes legal, that doesn't mean it's right. Uh, so... We need to think about it, how we want to create our societies. What is the long-term well-being? Above all, a human child comes unformed. You don't come like other creatures, where the moment you drop out of the mother's womb, you're ready to, you know, within a few days, you're ready to make your own life. A human child comes largely unformed, so not even 10% of their life is fixed by birth. Rest of it, they have to create. So what kind of nurture they get, is extremely important. I wouldn't like to make this into father-mother business, but the nurture that can come from parentage is extremely important, important. There's no two ways about it. 
and unfortunately, as you said, in the United States, and it's beginning to happen in many other places now, that family structure is so fragile, for smallest disagreements, the family is broken. That's what I keep reminding people, don't have children if you are not committed, what is the point? If you want to have children, you must understand a child is a twenty-year project. If you are ready for the twenty-year project, go ahead and have it. And you must know if they do well, it's a twenty-year project. In case they don't do well, it's a lifelong project. Only if you're ready for the project, you take it up. If you're not ready, why? There is, you're not a tiger or something that I must go to you, please reproduce, uh, because you're not an endangered species. There are too many of us. It's not necessary for everybody to reproduce and leave the children untended for. If you produce a child, both man and woman, that hap the child happens between uh, these two genders generally. So whoever takes on the project of rearing a child or bringing up a child must understand it is a minimum of twenty years commitment. If you have other things to do in your life which you think is more important than caring for your child, you please leave the children alone. Human uh, species is not an endangered species. Nobody is asking you to reproduce uh, compulsively. So, only those who are willing to be responsible bring the children up as uh, wonderful young adults and then leave them in the world to do whatever they want to do. But if you leave them too early, they won't grow up into mature adults. All kinds of sufferings, the amount of, uh, what do you say, uh, psychological ailments and, you know, anxieties, problems, insecurities. Uh, they take it out on themselves and take it out on everybody and the loneliness that people suffer, even if they are among millions of people, is very, very unfortunate. For all this family structure or a stable, uh, you know, parentage which is committed, which is committed to seeing the child through, not in a conditional way, in an unconditional way, the child that you produce is your business till they become adults. One must understand this, otherwise we will produce a society and a world which is full of fractured human beings. Yeah, very well said, Sadhguru. We, we are definitely seeing it here in the United States. We got an epidemic of kids growing up without a father or a solid family structure. And the proof is in all the statistics. Just like you said, uh, there are many single moms that are working miracles, many single dads doing the same. Uh, but all the statistics are, are where, where we see crime, uh, high uh, teenage pregnancy, teenage suicide, all correlate without having a father in the home. So I, I harp on it here because I really think it's our number one uh, social issue in our country right now that we face. So that's why I make a point to, um, to harp on. One point of that father being in the home is the disciplined portion of it. So what kind of a disciplinarian were you with your daughter growing up, Sadhguru? And is that different than the disciplined style you grew up with? Uh, I never tried to discipline her. I always made her responsible. I handed over things to her. I'm talking about even when she's three, four, five years of age, let's say, uh, I make her responsible for really big things which are way beyond her. And I always saw in her own wacky way, she was trying to do the right thing. So one thing that parents should understand is, instead of trying to discipline, which may not work in today's world, it's best that you make them responsible. You make them responsible for the household. Even if you are in the background, just leave things in their hands, even when they're very young. Tell them, okay, they have to work the economics of the house. They have to see 
how to maintain the house, what to do, whatever else, you know, ask them to figure out what is the best insurance to take. I'm telling you, they'll do a great job. So that's why I said I was never a, you know, like a, I must tell you this incident, probably this will make it more clear for you. This happened. You know, she traveled with me since she was very young. Very young means a few months old, she started traveling. I was always staying in so many homes all across the country in India and also sometimes outside. And uh, people were wonderful. But, you know, adults have this problem and they see a child, they want to teach something to the child. So I saw, see, the problem with adults, see, they're always trying to teach something that's not worked in their life. When I say it's not worked in their life, between the child and the adult, most of the time, 99% of the time, child is a more joyful and wonderful human being. So what is there, what is there for the child to learn from the adult? Sure, adults have become dead serious and angry and anxious and all this. So I told them one thing, see, you can play with her, you can be with her, no problem. Nobody will teach her anything. No one, two, three, no ABC, no nothing. Nobody will teach her anything. Then uh, they said, what about, oh, she won't be able to count, she won't know how, fi how many fingers she, will, she has. There's a comment somebody made. I said, see, I don't care whether she can count her fingers or not. She can use her fingers, that's all that matters to me. She knows how to use her fingers, that's fine. She knows how to use her limbs and faculties, that is fine with me. She need not count. Whether I say I have ten fingers, I say a million fingers, what difference is just a number? You can give different values to different things. Right now, uh, <laughs> like it's a currency, what is one dollar? Maybe somewhere else a thousand lira, all right? So... <laughs> These things don't matter. And then they said, we shall we teach some rhymes? I said, don't teach her any rhymes. I, you know, what about Mary had a little lamb? Say, I don't care whether Mary had a lamb or not. Just leave her alone. You play with her, you be with her, treat her as your friend. I have no issues, but don't try to teach her anything. So because <laughs> nobody teaches her anything, she became super alert. You know, she wants to learn everything around her because nobody teaches her anything. By the time she's 18 months old, she could fluently speak three languages, okay, because she's always traveling with me. All kinds of homes, from the richest homes in the country to poor tribal hearts, just about anywhere we would stay, depending on where I'm working at that time. So she was comfortable with all sorts of people. And by the time she's four and a half year old, one day I check and uh, she calls them all her friends. But these are all adults, okay, 30, 40, 50 year old people. But she thinks they're all her friends because nobody sees that the way a child feels it is less than others is because always somebody is trying to teach the child something, always talking down and saying, this is not it, that is not it. When nobody is teaching you anything, she thinks all are her friends. And I couldn't believe it. She knew the names of nearly 800 people. Wow. <laughs> she <laughs> she knew the names of them. Some of them, she knows the phone numbers. She just calls them up and talks to them like they are buddies. And these people are all older people, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so she grew up like this. I thought I won't send her to school at all. She can travel with me and just be with me. But my travels got too really crazy. I couldn't, you know, give the needed attention to her. So I put her in a school where there was very little schooling. Very you know, 
lower level of schooling, not like that. So she was in school and she was around about something. Then uh, she said, you're teaching everybody so many things. You're not telling me anything. I said, see, I don't teach anything unsolicited. Now that you come, you sit down. Let's see. Then she sat down in front of me and I said, see, the important thing is never look up to anybody. She just looked at me with that expression, what about you kind of look. I said, especially me, the value of who I am is only when you see me as I am. If you look up to me, probably you'll nail my picture on the wall and forget about me, as you've done to many other great beings in the world. I said, don't look up to me or anybody. And above all, don't look down on anybody. And this is all. Never look up to anything, never look down on anything. Just see life as it is. You will effortlessly navigate through life. So this is the only thing I would say. Don't make children think they are... You know, the only thing that you have with reference to your children in the context is, you came here a few years early, that's all. It is like the bullies in the school who joined the school two years ahead of you and they think they have to rag you and harass you. Most parents are doing this in the name of teaching something, disciplining something. What do you know that the child doesn't know about life? You know some tricks of survival. Beyond that, you don't know anything about life, all right? You are just uh, believing things which are not true, which have not worked in your life. Between you and your child, if you compare and see, definitely your child is more joyful. So definitely he or she should be the consultant for life, not you. Yeah, very great stuff, uh, Sadhguru. And then, listen, getting it real quick with the Save Soil, how can fathers, how can parents here in the United States join with their kids the Save Soil movement? How can they get involved? How can they help? Say, uh, fathers and mothers of uh, United States, I want you to understand, however comfortably you're living right now, See, this food shortages, this year itself is multiplying because of the war that's happening in uh, between Ukraine and uh, Russia. Uh, these two countries together were pro providing nearly 25% of the world's wheat. That being missing, in Europe, the price of the food is going up, but that is not the real problem. The real problem is already many nations, poorer nations, are running a short of food. There is not enough. World Food Program is expecting famines in more than half a dozen countries, uh, particularly in Africa and South America. So this is not just, when we say famine, we always think Africa. When I was talking to David Beasley, who is uh, who's an American, who was an American congressman, if I get it right, uh, but now he's heading World Food Program. He was saying, Sadhguru, by 2035, there will be famine conditions or serious drought conditions in Illinois. Uh, because the way we are farming there, uh, Chicago and surrounding areas can go into famine conditions. Well, we have transportation systems, we may transport food from here to there and all that stuff. But I'm telling you, this is going to do things that you can't imagine. Because of this soil condition, Water stress is enhancing itself. By 2032, they are saying 3.5 billion people will be water stressed. Right now, about 2 billion people are water stressed. And today, there is mobility. So, they're expecting about 1.2 billion people to move in terms of migration. 
a billion people when they move you're not going to stop them with a wall or with your police or with your army it's not going to work and above all uh we have to forsake our humanity just to protect our uh, whatever is our interest which will become terrible so it's extremely important right now uh putting soil into a state where it is alive it can store enormous amount of water because if you enhance the organic content of the soil to 8 to 10% the irrigation requirements in the world will come down to 30% of what it is right now so that's the kind of difference it can make what can you do as a parent one most important thing is do not make your children angry with these things this is not agitation this is not a protest this is not against somebody or anybody all of us together knowingly or unknowingly are partners in this destruction the only way to solve this is all of us become partners in the solution that's the only way forward so make your children also partners in this children are always sensitive to this in india our uh, isha home school children took this responsibility and uh, they are uh, you know activating 10 million children to write to the indian prime minister 10 million children right now we have not reached the 10 million number maybe we have reached around 600000 or something like that but prime minister's office is inundated with children's artwork and letters and messages and all kinds of things they are saying please uh, ask them to do digital please don't send physical letters we just not able to handle this <laughs> i'm saying when 10 million children write you think any leader can ignore it so i would say all the fathers in america please take this upon yourself not just your children make sure at least 2 million children write to the president of united states we are concerned about the soil we are concerned about the future of united states we are concerned about our children and their children and above all we concerned about every other life on the planet please soil must become a priority and also write to the opposition parties uh, we have written to 730 political parties in the world saying that soil and soil ecology must become a part of their political agenda doesn't matter whether you are right left center what kind of political philosophy you believe in we all come from the soil we live off the soil at least when we die we definitely get back to the soil so it's important that parents understand just saying i love you is not enough if you love somebody you must facilitate situations so that they can live well and one most important a uh, thing that is needed for the children of today to live well tomorrow is rich soil without rich soil there is no rich food without rich food there is no health of the soil and health of the human being are very directly connected. both chronic ailments and psychological ailments are largely rooted in micro nutrients not being present right now in united states many research uh, much research shows this that if you ate one orange in 1920 how much nourishment you got from that today to get the same nourishment you have to eat eight oranges when have you ever eaten eight oranges in the morning uh, alex is such a thing possible <laughs> so this is where we are going this is what we have done to our food if we really care for our children this must happen please all the fathers i beseech you apart from you writing to the local representatives and above all enhancing the message on the social media 
let the children also do it apart from that get at least 2 million american children to write to your president that you are concerned about soil and they must invest in the future well-being of america's soil Well, God bless you for what you're doing. I know we're up against the time here. I'm going to put the link in the description of this podcast episode for Save Soil. Uh, it's been really an honor to speak with you today. You're a first-class father all the way. So, Drew, thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. Thank you. And uh, SaveSoil.org, just look it up. And uh, be with me on this journey, all the American fathers. I'm also a father like you. My daughter is very worried about me right now because I'm riding through crazy kind of weather and i'm 65 years of age 30000 kilometers could kill me she's very worried about this but i'm asking all of you to stay with me and hands this message ensure our children can live well on this planet tomorrow not just today thank you very well much well said well said be careful on the bike there we'll, we'll catch up to you soon thank you all right Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Sadguru for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was such an honor. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Well, that's it. That puts the nail in the coffin on 600 episodes of First Class Fatherhood. It's so hard to believe. Uh, I owe it all to you listeners out there for keeping me going here with all your support. And I've got some great guests coming your way soon. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lay so you'll find out who they are, who's going to bring us towards that next step of episode 700. Don't forget First Class Fatherhood, Advice and Wisdom from High Profile Dads. My new book is now available to order. The link is in today's show notes. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers.